I went from a period of, you know, making my debut, you know, playing in, in Barcelona, playing at Ibrox. Um, then all of a sudden, everything's taken away from you. You only really see this injury in, in two cases, one being NFL, when it's a total wipeout and somebody's standing leg in a car crash. Coming up on the official Celtic FC podcast, assistant manager John Kennedy opens up for the first time on his career-ending injuries. You know, albeit it wasn't Celtic Park, but it was in the day we, we managed to win the league, and, you know, that'll love me for the rest of my days. And he also looks back on his favourite memories from his time at Celtic. This is the official Celtic FC podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Ryan Marr and welcome along to the official Celtic FC podcast, the only podcast out there where you can get exclusive content from inside the Celtic changing room and we're putting that to the test today because we've got none other than Celtic first team coach John Kennedy alongside us, our special guest. John, thank you so much for joining us, how are thank you? Thank you very much, yeah, all good, thank you. Very good, uh, really looking forward to this, um, have a chance to talk about how things are going this season and a little bit more about your own playing days of your, your Celtic career. Um, just first of all, how's, how's things going for you this season? We're sitting here in the, the international break, so not got all the boys in at the moment. How are things going? Oh, good. Um, it's been a good week for us in terms of getting some players on the pitch again, uh, getting them training, working on their fitness. Um, and it's also time that the guys that have played a lot of games, we can kind of deload them a little bit. So it gives us a chance to kind of level everything off. You know, the guys need a bit of a rest, we give them that. The guys that need to work, we, we get plenty of work in this week and then it's it's back to business again. It's going to be a busy month um, through October, November. So uh, looking forward to that. It's been it's been good so far. You know, it's been kind of steady progression for us this season in terms of getting everyone back together, getting used to a new manager, working mm -hmm. especially for the players, different from myself. I, I know Brendan really well. So um, the players have got to know him. And I think, you know, game on game, you can see the team are improving and the performances are going in the right direction. So it's been it's been steady. Yeah, it's been a very positive start to the season. Now, before we get into things, I know as, as a coach, you always put the players through a warm-up, so I thought I'd put yourself through a warm-up just to get the brain ticking over yep. a little bit. So I've got a little short quiz for you, right, just about some of your, your playing stuff, just to, to get things ticking over. So I've got five questions. So, first of all, according to the internet, this is, it might, it might not be right, but when you signed for Celtic, you signed on the same day as which player? Steve McManus. It was indeed Steve McManus, yes. Um, your debut came in 2000 against Motherwell. Who did you come off the bench for? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no is that? Uh, I'll give you a clue. It was not a defender. It was someone up the other end of the park. I'll say Mark Butchell. It was not. It was Tommy Johnson. Tommy Johnson. Yes. Um, you scored your first Celtic goal against which side? Dundee, only goal. Yes. And... Um, when you came back after your injury in 2007, April 2007, at Rugby Park, came into the starting 11, the game that we won the league. Do you remember what the score was and who the two goal scorers were? 2-1, Nakamura, last minute free kick. And? First goal was... Gets overshadowed because of Nakamura, doesn't it? was it again? Need a hand. Yeah, go on. Striker. Scott McDonald. That's Jan. Like big Jan. Yes, Jan. And the last one, um, you were manager of the Youth Cup final team. Um, who scored a hat-trick in the first one of 2012? Jackson Irvin. It was Callum McGregor. 8-0 win against... Can we restart them all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I should have given you a bit of pre-warning on that. So, hopefully that's got the brain taking over yeah, a wee bit. I think it's amazing, you know, like yourself and Stephen. 
both signing for the same day. Yeah. I was reading as well that when Stephen actually made his debut, he played alongside yourself against away to Hibernian, I think sure, it was. Yeah. And you're both still here now as coaches. It's quite mad, isn't it? Yeah, we've kind of had a, a kind of long journey together, even before we came in full time and stuff. We kind of we knew each other from playing. It was a year above me, but we kind of kind of hovered in the same circles as such in football terms, and been a few of the same clubs. Kind of families half knew each other, so um, we kind of knew each other growing up. Uh, and obviously, then as we progressed in professionally, we played a lot together. We signed together, obviously. Um, and even to this day we're still, we're still pretty close so it's been a long journey together we <laughs> seem to kind of followed each other in, in terms of <laughs> what we've done um, and I actually remember like I'm, I'm really bad with memories sometimes in terms of remembering my own personal things and games and like, even there with the, the score lines <laughs> yeah, and the goal scores I'm, yeah. I'm always really bad with that but I actually remember the Stephen making, making his debut because we were away to Hibs Easter Road and I remember Martin was very much one about in a match day he kind of read the team out and then he'd go away we would just leave it at that and then kind of Steve Walford and, and uh, John Robertson would go around people and then Martin would, you know, have a more of a, uh, a bigger team talk near the game. Um, so Martin did his usual and Stephen obviously wasn't really accustomed to it yet. I'd been around <laughs> a little bit longer and around the first team and Martin very much would come in, piece of paper, read out the team and walk back out. Um, and he was playing left back that, that day, uh, Stephen, but he didn't really know till that point. Um, and literally, I, was, I think I was sat beside him I remember him just turning around to me and saying, where am I playing? What, what am I doing? <laughs> type of thing. Because Martin just kind of read the team and then John and, and Steve would, would cover the rest of it. Um, and he still talks about that, actually, just <laughs> kind of flapping around a little bit, saying, am I playing left back? Am I playing centre back? I think you're left back. We'll double check with Steve. Um, and then it just kind of evolved from there. But obviously, you know him himself, that was the kind of springboard for him in terms of then yeah. progressing and, you know, the fantastic career here. And uh, obviously, we're on the captain side and through very successful periods as well. So he's had a great career himself. You know, he's a very humble guy. He's a guy I got on with very well and obviously still working here and, and, and doing a good job with the kids. Yeah, and then touching on that Youth Cup final where Cal McGregor scored a hat-trick um, against Queen of the South. And now, of course, you're here as first-team coach. He's captain as well. You've been in a bit of a journey with, with Callum also through that youth system. Did you always know back then that he was probably going to make it? Yeah, it's one of those where you, you know, there's always players who you kind of know they've got a good chance, you know, just with a general attitude, how they apply themselves, general quality, and, and, and Callum was one, I think he was towards the tail end of the youth side as I kind of took over them, uh, the under-18s, 19s at the time. Um, he was a very kind of special player. Uh, he's he was one who, very mature for his age, very humble, very quiet guy, but, you know, whether you train, played, it was always the same level of performance in terms of his attitude. The application was always, you know, a hundred percent. He would take everything on board, you know, and was was very driven to to be successful, but in a very kind of quiet, humble way. And you know, again, his path was different. He had to, you know, go out on loan. I remember the time it was when Neil was the manager, and it was Calum was getting to a point, and especially in, around the reserve team, where he was kind of outgrown a little bit. He would need the next challenge. You know, there wasn't quite an opening in the, in the first team squad at the time. Uh, but you just knew the way Callum was and his way his progression was going that he had to go out and play first team football somewhere and, and obviously Notch County was an opportunity for him. <clears throat> um I went in myself and Stevie Frail at the time, you know, kept eyes on him. We went down and, and watched a few of his games. I remember actually going to watch him in the cup um, at Anfield against Liverpool as well. Both of those went down and, and watched that. So it was great to see him progress. You know, he scored a lot of goals in that first half of the season. Um there was a player there, Mark Fotheringham, who uh, kind of grew up mm. here playing with and, and at Norwich I played with and 
you know, I remember speaking to him about him, just telling how's he getting on behind the scenes, and he was like, he's an unbelievable kid, he absolutely loved him. Um, I think to this day, he still speaks very highly of yeah. him when he gets a chance to. Um, and then just the feedback, you know, in terms of coming back here, it was very much, you know, do we bring him back in January? Neil was still had a settled team, they were doing well at the time, and it was a case of probably best for him to stay and, and just keep playing. Um, but then obviously the change came the following summer and Ronnie came in and... Um, then at that point, it was a discussion around, you know, where's he at, and I said, look, we have to bring him in and, and give him an opportunity to, to be in the first team and, and see what he can do. And you know, he's never looked back since. I remember, yeah. you know, through that pre-season, um, doing really well. Obviously, the, the European stuff came came around very quickly. I think he scored in, in one he's, of the first games. Yeah, yeah so, um, and that just again, kick-started him, and you know, you look where he's at now. But it's all of his own making. You know, in terms of what he's achieved so far, is down to how he is as a person, how he applies himself, and um, he's, he's certainly evolved into a terrific leader for the team. He most certainly has. Um, John, before we get into looking back in your Celtic career, I'm just looking for a little bit more insight into how things are at the moment. We touched on it at the start of the podcast. Brendan Rodgers coming back in as manager during the summer. Someone that you said, as you said, you know extremely well from the first time around. So how have things been since he's, he's come into the club? Because I think we've started to see particularly in recent weeks, the performance levels go up yeah. a gear and you're starting to see some of the, the new players or even players like Liam Scales, who's done terrifically well so far this season, really starting to understand things a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's always the case. You know, when there's change, there's there's always a period of kind of transition with that. Um, you know, and for the players, they've done, you know, terrific for two seasons. It's much the, the same squad and then we've obviously added to that, lost a couple. Um, but, Again, the manager's changed. There's a different kind of voice there, um, some different demands in terms of certain things you look at. So naturally, there's there's a period of, of transition there where players are trying to kind of take the message on board, trying to work on it in training. You know, and things just take time sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think early on, um, you know, there was a couple of ones there, especially in the cup, was disappointing. But you could just see in that period, the team weren't quite settled. There was a few injuries at the time, um, which didn't help things. Um, but I think, you know, as weeks have gone on and we've had more time in the pitch, Managers got to know the players better. The players have got to know the manager better. You know things have just kind of settled down gradually, um, and with that, then the players are, are building in confidence all the time. And I think you can see that, especially in the last performance against, you know, Kamarnock. You know, we could have scored another two or three goals mm -hmm. there quite comfortably, and you know, periods in the game we were really dominant, created lots of good chances, um, and we're only going to get stronger. That's that's the most important thing. So it's it's early stages in terms of where you know the, probably the manager wants them to be at, um, but certainly things are moving in. You know, in the right direction, and as you said, we can make things are things are getting getting uh, improving and getting better on the pitch. Yeah, it's all very exciting and uh, tough game coming up away to Hearts at Tynecastle after the international break, and then it's away to Birmingham. But very ex very exciting start to the season, yeah. anyway, John. Um, let's get into your Celtic career, John. But just before that, I want to get a little bit more about your own Celtic memories. What team would you have? Grown up watching as a young Celtic fan, um, I was pretty much Paul McStay's team. You know yeah. that was a that was a team in terms of he was my kind of probably idol growing up. The main guy he was Mr Celtic. Um, so grew up, grew up kind of following that team, a team who probably played a lot of good football. Didn't win a huge amount through that period, but you know it was it was your team. It was a, the the team you followed. Then kind of lately when I had the kind of teenage years, that was in kind of. Just before I came in, you had Henrik and these guys all, you know, coming in. Uh, it was a kind of influx of a few foreign ones like Van Hoydonk and Cadet and Decanio. So it was exciting times around there, you know, some terrific players came in. 
Um, and then it was funny because then when you kind of start to get close to being a professional yourself, a lot of these guys who you've, you know, sat in the stands or we used to ball boy a lot as well from, the, you know, the academy, we used to cover the games as ball boys, so we used to do that a lot. Um, all of a sudden you're kind of thrust in and you're with them on a daily basis. Initially we were doing a lot of the jobs around the training ground, so you're kind of cleaning the guys' boots, but you're kind of in contact with them, you're speaking to you and it's, you know, you have to kind of pinch yourself a little bit. Um, and then I was finding fortunate quite early on, especially in, uh, it was my first season towards the end of that, the second half of the season, I started kind of training with the first team and, and being around the first team more. So it kind of moved very quickly for me. You know, I went from being a young kid, watching the team, um, chasing the balls about on the side of Celtic Park, getting them back in play, to all of a sudden cleaning the guys' boots, making sure they're ready for games. And we used to do a lot of the... Uh, the kind of games with John Clark, you know, a couple of young guys would uh, from our team would go to the matches, do all the jobs, uh, and I used to love that. You know, we used to do nearly every game when you get a chance to, because you were kind of around the first team, you seen how they operated. It was kind of first team vibe and atmosphere was really exciting, um, and you seen how the manager spoke and how the players reacted and how they they, they kind of worked with each other. Um, so I found that really exciting, <clears throat> and then. Before I knew it, all of a sudden I was inside that dressing room <laughs> yeah. with him. It was, it was all a bit strange, but um, it was a very quick journey for me. But, you know, going back to the where it all started, it was kind of the first player I really remember as being excited about was, was Paul McSteen. Yeah. Did you always have an inclination that you were going to make it as a footballer when you were going through those early teenage years playing? Like, when did you officially kind of come into the Celtic Academy? I think it was about 12, um, about 11 or 12. We kind of we came in and we would train you know, a couple of times a, a week. At that point, it was, you were never restricted to, you know, just, just be with one club. You didn't have to sign up. You could, but, you know, uh, a lot of guys around my era kind of, kind of would, you could be training with two, three, four different teams if you really wanted to. You know, you would play with your boys club at times. You'd be your school team still. Um, we had uh, Easter breaks and, and summer holidays and things where we would, you know, me and my family maybe travel and, to Arsenal and, and be down there for a week's training. Um, but just as time progressed, I kind of began more and more to kind of settle more towards Celtic. We would then come in and, and we would, you know, Celtic would be your weekend team. So done away with the boys club, come in at Celtic, um, train there during the week, play at the weekends. And then I was around 14, the kind of club then started to speak to me about kind of settling down and, and um, looking ahead to when you were going to leave school and turning professional and all these type of things. Um, it's not something we jumped into straight away. Um, it was exciting, but I think at the time my parents and stuff wanted to just kind of, you know, not not rush things. And uh, when we were younger, we played a lot of football. That was the thing. It was like non-stop. You would you play on a Saturday with Celtic. You'd be, you know, with someone else on a Sunday and Monday night. You'd be training somewhere. Tuesday, Wednesday, it was non-stop. But it was just what you done. And you loved it. Um, but gradually, as you get older, you have to kind of, you know, start deciding where you where your future lies and. You know, it was always difficult for me to look anywhere else other than Celtic. I had different options and, and offers, but ultimately came down to a period, I think it was 14 and a half at the time. Um, we were kind of, my dad had been speaking with Celtic and Celtic were offering a contract to leave school at 16. Um, and at that point, it was like, my mind was made up. You know, yeah. it was, it You're was, not going back to school at that point, are you? No, nah, <laughs> and I, I liked school. I, didn't, I had no issues with school. Um, and I, I did quite well at school, but at that point it was just a no-brainer for me it was like yeah, yeah okay let's let's get finer details and just we'll get signed and that was the night when the the picture still haunts us to this day when i've got a yellow shirt and a bad haircut <laughs> um, sitting beside steven so that still uh circulates around groups group chats and everything else and appears in the 
the Celtic programmes, whatever else now and again, that's it's a shocker, but that was the night where it, it kind of all began. And now we need to dig it out and put it on this podcast. Probably, yeah, it's a shocker. <laughs> to, to be a Celtic fan for all your days, you spoke about going to the games and then very quickly you're training and playing with these players. Do you remember that first training session when you're going into the first team? Because I imagine it must have been quite daunting. It was. Um, I told this story once before. It was. We actually played um, a reserve game on the. I think it was a Monday evening, um, and then the Tuesday morning we came in. Um, and the following morning we came in for a recovery session, so it was with the reserves. So it was kind of fun with me. The, my first year was a bit strange in terms of you came in at sixteen. You kind of tend to at that point you were under sixteen. You played. You know, at the weekend, then you had the kind of the second year pros who were your under 18 team, and then you had a reserve team who were all the kind of older guys in their early 20s and stuff. Um, and the way it kind of started for me was we, I think, one round early in the year, maybe around about pre Christmas, November time, I can't remember exactly when, but uh, it was kind of midway through that season. I hadn't played an awful lot for the youths and stuff. Again, you, a lot of our guys that come in first time, you kind of felt your way in and you played most of your games your under 16 team um we did that and then there's one one day a kind of reserve team uh, and a youth team game fell on the same day um the reserves were playing livingston away somewhere the youths were playing the cup or something um so some of us who weren't involved in the youth game went and played in the reserve game kenny mcdowell and danny mcgrain were the managers um and went and played and actually played pretty well that day and since that day i stayed with the reserves funnily enough for the rest of that season, so it was pretty much uh, the next game came around. There was kind of league games and everything else. All of a sudden, I started playing the reserve games. So it was kind of in the re- it's funny the way it worked out. It was kind of playing the reserves before it was fully in the youths. Mm. Naturally, then because you were doing well, you were then you found yourself playing the youths as well. So I'd play often, um, you know, Friday or a Saturday with the uh, the youths, and then maybe midweek uh, with the reserves. Um, and it was good, loved it, um, but it was a very quick again progression for me. Um, but I remember going back to first training session I came around after a reserve game I played quite a lot of games in a row at this point um, and Kenny and that were around it was Ken Douglas was then taking the team and I came in for a session the following morning came in for my breakfast in the, the old canteen at, at Barrafield the, the port cabin let's call it <laughs> and uh, I went up to the kind of the buffet bit and, and I remember Kenny McDowell kind of sat beside it saying oh you're training with the first team today now, I hadn't heard that before. I'd heard them maybe say it to some of the older guys, but it never, it never came, a, came, a, uh, came to me before. And I kind of dismissed them. I went, yeah, okay. Because it was one of those days, I remember the night before, I'm kind of doing well, and um, him saying well done and everything else. And, and I thought he was kind of joking, you know, you've done that well, you're going to train with the first team. And I went, I very good. And I carried on getting my breakfast, and he'd actually follow me up to the, the kind of cereal bit and say, no, you're actually training with the first team, you better go and get ready. And I was like, you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious, why would I kind of joke you know so it was like right okay and that kind of came around quite quickly and then um went in got ready first team appeared and it was one of those where the first team were coming from Celtic Park but we were already at Barrafield changed you're kind of standing about thinking what do I do here <laughs> you know what I mean as he <laughs> there was still kind of half thinking is he joking or not um so Someone's playing it was one of those I was standing around the pitch just waiting yeah. every day arriving and then eventually I turned up and it was, it was Kenny and stuff at the time kind of came up and spoke to us and says yeah you're going to train with us today just kind of enjoy it don't you know, but don't think too much about it. Um, I couldn't even tell you what the session was. It was just a kind of blur. Um, but we did the session. I remember at the end of the session, I'm kind of saying, you know, you'll probably be in the squad tomorrow night. And we're playing Motherwell. And I was like, this isn't adding up. I went for kind of 
cleaning boots you know, a couple of months ago to all of a sudden playing reserves and then all of a sudden training the first team and then a day later you're going to be in the squad. Um, so that was that. I remember after finishing, getting changed, I think Kenny McDowell had said to us, like, just go up to Celtic Park. They kind of You'll find out the squad and everything up there and all the details you need to know. Um, so headed up there um, and again, Kenny had said to us, you're in the squad tomorrow night, so just get your timings and that and be ready. So I remember phoning my parents and stuff. I said, I'm in the squad for tomorrow night. And they're like, have we got tickets? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. They're like, you better get some tickets because, you know, if you're going to be in the squad, we want to be there and stuff. So I can't remember. I somehow came across, got a couple of tickets and uh, that was all arranged. And then um, before I knew it, the following night came, kind of during the game, out to warm up. Um, Kenny had kind of been out warming up behind the goals, you know, I'm doing. I remember Kenny doing the usual, kind of shouting up and, Kind of pointing to him, but he's usually a few years out there, so you're never quite sure who's who's been called in. <clears throat> and again, just being yourself, you think I'm not beginning on here. It was like I think it was four 0 maybe at the time. I can't remember it. Yeah, that's right. It was. Yeah, was it? Um, but at the time, it's like come in and you're kind of pointing, talking about him. You know, whoever it might be beside you. And all of a sudden, the guys are going, "Not you. You better go." Um, but I remember the thrill of just the, the bit, thing I remember most about that game. I don't remember much of the game at all. It was more the run back into the, the dugout, you know, in terms of going in. It was almost surreal, you know, in terms of you've kind of been there, stood at, uh, sat in the stand or, you know, at the side of the pitch being a ball boy um, to all of a sudden being called in. You know you're ready to go on the pitch and, and make your debut, which was also a dream of mine. Um, and that's, that's how it kind of all came about. So it kind of... All came about out of kind of nothing. It kind of yeah. all moved so quickly, but again, it was it was probably a good thing. I didn't have too much time to think. Checking about the it. date to make sure it's not like April Fools when yeah. they're calling you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. And did you know the significance when you were coming on the park that you were going to be Celtic's youngest ever player? No, I had no idea. I think it was days later. Actually, it wasn't until um, I think it may have been even Celtic View or something at the time had kind of wanted to do a piece about it, but. The whole time I had no idea, you know, it's not something I even thought about, about, you know, who's been the youngest ever sell before or, or anything like that. It was just a kind of moment of, you know, being proud of the achievement of making your debut for Celtic. You know, at that point, you're not thinking too much in the future. You're just thinking, wow, I just kind of stepped out in Celtic Park and um, made my debut here. And everything was very surreal, as I said. And um, it was more the kind of, you know, your family, surrounding your family, the excitement that they had. And how they were feeling about it. So it's not just about you, and that's the thing about your debut. It's, you know, it's a great, and everybody talks about your achievement, but it's it's not just your achievement. It's, you know, everybody you've been around your whole life achievement. Um, they're the ones that support you the whole time. You know, they kind of get you to that point where you're able to go out there and step out in front of, you know, 60,000 fans at Celtic Park. You know, it doesn't happen just because you're a good footballer. It happens because, of, yeah, you've got talent, obviously, but it happens because of the people who support you to get you there, so it's, it's as much a proud moment for them as as, as you, and you know, I think mum still speaks with us day <laughs> in terms of sitting there in tears as I was kind of coming on the pitch, so, you know, that's 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 as special as, as them on the pitch knowing that you've made them proud. That's incredible. How did you find stepping up into that environment as a 16-year-old, not just playing in the first team, but I imagine training was maybe at times harder than some of the games when you're going up against likes of Henrik Larson and Mark yeah. Duke at that time? It was, and it was it was really challenging, but it was it was an amazing experience. You know, I had a period at the time, you know, for that the rest of that season. Then I kind of was with the first team, you know, pretty much every day. Um, I made you know a few appearances um, to the end of the season, 
And then obviously there was changed. Martin then came in the following season. I went away pre-season with them. And then at that period, you know, once Martin kind of accumulated his squad and, and put his team together, um, I kind of stepped back to the reserves for a little period. But I would kind of come and go with them. You know, a bit like we do now with the lads in terms of like you, you're mainly with the reserves because that's when I had to get my game time and play. And, you know, there'd be moments where Martin would, would, would pull you up and down and, and be involved. But it was an amazing experience, especially initially being so young and being exposed to, you know, all these top players. And, you know, as you said, Henrik Larson. And then after that was Chris Sutton. It was John Hartson. It was all these type of guys who, you know, again, you've seen from afar and seen how talented they were. And all of a sudden you were up against them. And um, But it was probably good for my... Um, development as well because the challenge of it and I'm always one who loves you know to be involved in a challenge and if it's a challenge I'll, I'll tackle it head on that's that's the way I am and you know that's the way I've seen that you know when we trained with Henrik I remember Chris and Sutton and they, these guys talking about me and the way I would tackle and training and stuff but it, it wasn't through badness it was just because I was competitive and I wanted to you know take any opportunity I was given so that's that's the way I trained and played and you know I was wholehearted and you know you know, several times they'd, they'd moan about it or they'd kick, <laughs> you'd kick you back, which they did in the day, which you just accept, you get up and you get on with it. So, you know, it made you grow up very quickly. Um, at the same time then, when I did step back, it was probably the right decision because I was still, you know, 16, 17, surrounded by all these kind of top quality footballers um, who were all very experienced. You know, Martin's team in the main, you know, for that first period, they were very experienced players. Um, so it was great having their support. Um, at the same time, then taking a step back to then come again was was probably the right, the right thing to do in, in terms of my development. Yeah, what was it like when Martin O'Neill came in? Because obviously at that point you're still extremely young, so it's 16, 17. And as you mentioned, that team that he assembled were a team of winners, a team full of international quality. They seemed like a really difficult team as well. You know, if you had a midfield of Paul Lambert, Neil Lennon, Cillian Petrov, the defence was rock solid, the strikers and Chris Sutton, John Hartson, Henrik Larson. Yeah all guys that were so aggressive and desperate to win. Did you notice that in training? Was it difficult? Was it a challenge going into those training environments against them? It was, but again, even like after that first period, so maybe Martin's kind of second year and, and then, then on, it was, you know, I, was, I would then be up, you know, pretty much every day training um, and being part of that group. Um, but we also had a lot of others, you know, myself, Sean Maloney, Liam Miller, Colin Healy, Stephen Craney, Jimmy Smith, there was a lot of us yeah. with a really good group of young players as well at the time. Um, and we were all very similar in a way, you know, we were kind of a kind of group who wouldn't shy away from too much. So we used to play young v old, um, you know, match day minus one a lot under Martin and Martin would be the referee, but some of the games were ridiculous, you know, looking back <laughs> in terms of, they were just so competitive, but it was like, you had all these kind of... Uh, proven kind of winners, first team guys with big personalities, big egos and then you had all these kind of young ones who just had no fear and just wanted to like basically smash in every <laughs> opportunity you could get because you had the point to prove um, so, so they were really feisty sometimes and um, really competitive but again it was brilliant you know being part of it and you could just see especially with these guys because they had levels you know especially the the guys like Henrik and Neil Lennon and and Chris and Petrov and all these guys, uh, although Petrov's in the young team, um, you knew when you, they just knew if we were up for it any given day and we started, you know, maybe go 1-0 up, 2-0 up, but they just all of a sudden found the gears, you know, and they, it was almost like they couldn't, you know, allow this, these young guys to try and um, take over or get the better of them in any given day. So they were brilliant games, you know, some of them were 
as competitive or better than the, the games the following <laughs> day. The day before the game. It's a day before the game. You wouldn't do that now, would you? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Um, but it was honest to God. He was like, you, some days you think guys need to stop and chin guards on here because it was it was tackles flying in everywhere. But it was brilliant. It was a great experience. And again, it created a real good kind of kind of uh, environment because it was very competitive. Everybody was pushing each other. The young guys had all these top players to try and learn off and, and pick things off. And at the same time, the older guys knew that we were kind of sniffing around, you know, uh, their heels trying to get any opportunity we could. So um, it was great. Loved every minute of it. Um, you know, and as much as things have changed and, you know, the way environments are nowadays have changed and everything else, it was the an environment you had to, you know, fight for yourself mm -hmm. and make sure you stood up and be counted. Did you ever feel the wrath of one of the first team players if you put in a, a challenge late or anything? Oh, I, yeah. a lot of them, a lot of them, but it didn't bother me, stuff like that. It was just like, if I made a bad tackle, I would apologise and that. A lot of time they didn't accept the apology and wanted to shout at you and I'd just be like, fine. Uh, they kick you back, you get up and get on with it. But um, I enjoyed that side of the game. You know, I've been being competitive. You know, I wasn't that, the type who would shy away from that that part of it. Um, I've been on the end there. A certain elbow or a, you know, <laughs> Henrik tackle as well, but uh, that's all. That's all part of the fun. I was Henrik quite feisty on training ground. He was good. Henrik was good. You know, once or twice with moments, but it's just naturally really. Uh -huh. You know, you're playing up against each other. You have a lot of moments, but you know, he was really good. He was a very good trainer in terms of his quality. It was unbelievable. You know, the quality that he could produce in, in certain moments. He's intelligent. Even playing against him, the positions he would take up. He didn't know where he was half the time. Um, and then all of a sudden he would appear and, and he'd get in and score and you'd like, where'd they come from there? Um, so all that and kind of learning, you know, how top forwards position themselves and, and how they played the game, you had to you had to learn quickly on that side of it. Um, but as all top players do, they have a real competitive, you know, edge to them. And Henry was no different to that. Um, but that whole team had it. You know, I must admit that whole team were, you know, a strong group of yeah. characters. Do you ever remember, I just love Henrik Larson stories because he's childhood hero, but... Um, do you ever remember like a moment in a training session or in a game where you're just like aghast at what he's managed to do and just to pull something out of nowhere? Yeah, it was one of those where, especially if you played against him, there'd be one minute you think, I've got this here, and then all of a sudden, a second later, he'd like five yards of space and he's getting his shot off. You know, he was just really clever in terms of, because he wasn't, he wasn't overly quick. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't a player who would run away from you, but he just knew when to move where they kind of faint and, and move the ball to all of a sudden get space. Because literally you'd, you'd take a touch and you think, right, I'm going to get this here. I just need to take one more step and I'm going to make my tackle. But before you knew it, it kind of shifted the ball away from you. And all of a sudden they had his angle to shoot and you thought, I can't even get this block in now. There was just so many moments like that. Where just And then like over time, you, you kind of try and figure him out and you try different things. But then he would change what he was doing. You know, he would almost, from one minute, taking it on his back foot away from you. Do you think, right, I'm going to take a step back here? And the minute he took a step back, he would then chop it back across himself and shoot <laughs> his other foot. Um, and it was good, you know, in terms of that was a great learning experience being so young up against such a quality player. Um, but there were several moments that, you know, even the first team guys you could see would almost be applauding some of the things mm. he, he would do in training. Um, and again, I think, you know, I think the fans appreciated that and seeing that over time that, you know, he wasn't, and he was never a, a flash player. You know, he wasn't one who'd be all tricks and all flicks and everything else. He was just so productive in what he did. You know, absolute ruthless goal scorer. Um, great team player, worked really hard um, and had a real knacker, you know, coming up with big goals and yeah. big moments. So your real breakthrough season, would it be right, is 2003, 2004, where you started to yeah. play 
a lot more games. So were you involved at all in the UEFA Cup run the previous so year? So I was in the kind of squad most, I kind of played early on in the rounds. Right. Uh, I can't remember who we played, but it was one of the early rounds so I kind of played, played something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know more than me about <laughs> my career. So uh played in them and was kind of, I'd been around the first team that whole, whole kind of year. Um, so I'd travelled to all the games, been involved, been on the bench Any a couple of times. Stand out from that. Um, I remember the Stuttgart game. You know, I remember the atmosphere in the stadium and everything else, but I remember that kind of period. But the Bovista game was the main one, but it was almost really hit home in terms of the, what was about to happen because you kind of went on this running. I remember game by game, kind of the guys, and it was more the first team, you just been around and kind of seen it and, and experiencing it. Um, you know, in terms of some of the teams you come up against, and it was almost, even for the, the, the first team guys, I remember a lot of the first team experience guys, they were almost just ticking them off. You know, in terms of like, they almost achieved you know, beating someone through to the next round. And it wasn't all kind of, oh, wow, that's amazing. It was almost like, right, you're gone, kind of next, you know. Mm. It was this kind of mentality where it was next round, win that, next round. Um, and that's the way they progressed. But I remember in the, the Bovista game being over there and I remember the minute the full-time whistle had went and obviously then it, uh, in that tie, it being you've actually now got to the, you know, UEFA Cup final. It was almost like a moment of like, you can't believe it's just happened here. You know, in terms of you, you're about to go and compete in a, a European final. And then you look back in all the steps that the team had taken through that and the challenges they'd faced, it was almost like just overcame it, overcame it, overcame mm -hmm. it. Um, and you almost felt like the writing's on the wall. We had to just go another step and go and win it. Um, but in terms of that year and, and being involved in that and, and seeing, you know, Seville in itself, and it's probably the the biggest kind of moment in terms of seeing what Celtic's all about, you know, seeing, turning up, I remember I was going to training several days before out the way and then coming into, coming into the stadium uh, for the game, you know, it was blistering hot, everyone had big suits on and uh, <laughs> I think someone picked black suits and it was 40 degree heat. Uh, so it's turning up, but literally it was, you just had a wall of Celtic fans at one point. I remember just coming in with police in front of us and everything else and, just hitting this wall of Celtic fans and it was like the bus was just kind of treacling along. It was just like, I mean, packed. You know, you sometimes see stadiums and you see, you know, fans and there's a big crowd, but it was absolutely rampant. Um, but in terms of, obviously, the way the game went and, and losing that, but it was such a proud moment, you know, being being there and seeing that. And I think, you know, we still speak to Celtic fans to this day and I think everyone that was there, as much as the result didn't, you know, go go our way. I think it was one where everybody really was so proud of the support in the club with where the team had got to, and just the kind of spectacle they created on on that on that day. So it was still really special. You know, it's kind of still kind of gives me goosebumps. You know, when you mm. see pictures of it and images of it, um, you know, it was a great to be to be kind of experiencing that first hand alongside the players. It's crazy to think it's twenty years ago, isn't yeah. it? No. You know, I feel really old. <laughs> so much has passed since then. Um, but yeah, that season in 2003, 2004, for yourself, um, you started to come into the team a little bit more often. Um, you played against, played in the Champions League at that game against Leon, which again was another heartbreak. They scored yeah. right to the death, didn't they? Um, but the big real moment, I think, you, you may disagree or you may agree, with the Barcelona game away from home at the new camp in the UEFA Cup where so we went into the tie one nil up, was that right? Up, yeah. We had a suspension at the back and then Bobo. Yeah, Bobo 
went off and it was yourself and then David Marshall in for the That's away right, leg. Yeah. No, it was uh that was probably that was my first kind of real proper season, you know, where you really felt, you know, part of the first team really. You know, you didn't feel you were young but you didn't feel like the kid anymore. You felt like you you could contribute. Um, you know, and Martin was, was good in that respect, you know, because one thing with Martin it was difficult to get any teams, you know, because when he had the big players and he had the experienced players, you know, he did rely on them. But, you know, I think when he, he seen the opportunity was there and uh, the timing was right, he would he would certainly open the door for you and let you go in. At that point, you had to perform. You know, he wasn't one that he would, you know, give you time. You had to go in and perform because there were so many players waiting to play and so many, you know, big players at that. So that season, I kind of got in. I remember having an absolute stinker. That's um, <laughs> what my notes. <laughs> we played Hibs in the Cup. Um away and we lost 2-1 I give away a penalty handball some stupid handball um, I remember after the game Martin going absolutely crazy um, and I'd been I'd a lot running at that point I'd played quite a few games you know been doing quite well and then just out of the blue kind of had a bad night gave away a penalty I think we won 0 up and we eventually lost 2-1 I'm sure and uh, Martin wasn't best pleased let's say so a <laughs> night passed and I remember at that point getting kind of left out I wasn't he dropped me after that which was fine and again probably again you kind of through a period of development you kind of you need to kind of come and go a little bit with it um <clears throat> and i sat out for a little bit after that and then all of a sudden he kind of thrust us back into the team again can't remember when it was um but again just head down trained away worked hard and again opportunity provide itself again um played and then you know played a few games at the turn of the year and then obviously the barcelona game and rangers was straight after that as well mm-hmm. which was obviously a big week um for us and uh, that's probably the, the main game that you know people still remember you for and, and speak to you about mostly you know still get people coming up to the streets saying oh, I was in Barcelona that night you played type of thing and, and it's it's nice you know it's nice and it's, it's, it was a great achievement for us as a team to go over there as you know underdogs at the time a, a strong Barcelona team who were you know favourites albeit we had a, a lead from the first game but you knew going over there how difficult it was going to be and you know, it was a great team performance that night to, to see, it, to see yeah, it through. Because that was a Barcelona team, I think, that would have Ronaldinho playing in it at that point mm-hmm. in time. And to go over there yourself and David Marshall, I think that's what made that result even more special because you had these two young players that yeah. had come through the academy and not just made up the numbers in the starting 11, but performed so miraculously as well. Like, was that quite special for the for the two of you having come through that system together? Yeah, probably it was. Again, moments like that they're they're kind of things you again dream of. It's you don't expect it. And again, as a footballer, it's weird because you could things change ever so quickly. You've seen it with so many players, um, you know. So in that pe- in that period, kind of in that season, you're kind of you're kind of doing well. You come out of the team, you do well, and all of a sudden you're presented with an opportunity to go and play in the new camp. Um, you know, in the UEFA Cup against Barcelona. And, um, to come out the other end it was such a, an amazing result and team performance and again you could see what it meant to, to everyone you know but I think again people probably get into that game would have looked at it and went like oh, we've got two kids in the team here against <laughs> one of the best teams in Europe probably like get your money on Barcelona <laughs> but you know again the, the experience of the older ones help us you know especially as young players and I remember Martian that night was an, it was an absolute fire as amazing well in terms of some of the saves he was making and um, and you just felt in that game. I still remember that game. I don't remember lots of games in my career. It was just weird. You kind of go into a kind of zone and you play and you come off and then you come out your wee bubble and go home. And I've not got I'm loads of memories of games, but I remember that one. Just you know, the longer the game went, you just sense from them they just kind of ran out of ideas a little bit. You know, and 
you just felt we were growing in confidence and had more belief the longer it went that no we can see this through here um they started putting subs on and getting a little bit more direct in the play and everything else and they were kind of handling everything they threw us and i think most of their kind of bigger chances came earlier in the game and just as the game went on we kind of steadied ourselves and uh, really bit control things and um so you just get a sense through the game that you know you knew anything could happen at any given moment but you just th thought as it was going on like you know we've got this here um and you could just feel the, the kind of experienced players around us kind of rallying each other and and trying to push each other and keep everybody concentrated um you know and thankfully enough we we managed to to see it to the full-time whistle and, and progress um and then it was a quick turnaround to, to yeah on to Ibrox, which um I think it was the, the game known as Beach Ball Sunday, that one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> balls were coming in from the, the away end. Um, we beat Rangers 2-1 at Ibrooks in that game. It was Henrik's last game at Ibrooks and he scored in it as well. I think Alan Thompson also scored yeah, as well. Know. Again, because you were still... What, was it 20? 20 at the time. Yeah, yeah, 20 at the time. Were you still a bit kind of wet behind the ears at that point and just taking everything in as it was happening? Um, can I... Probably, uh, probably less fear than you'd imagine. Because yeah. sometimes you think, you know, you maybe people outside looking in, you might think, oh, young player, that's a lot of pressure and everything else. But it's kind of one of those ones where you're just kind of in that moment. You just kind of got to do it. You know, there's mm. there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to to, to kind of stand want, back. And, it, you know? and you've kind of worked to get to that point. So there's no point in being, you know, overly tentative or overly cautious about it. Because at that point, you know, you you're not do yourself justice or help the team in any way. So it's one of those where you just kind of got to thrust yourself in there, do the best you can possibly do, and hopefully, you know, it turns out well for you. And that's that's the way I've kind of tended to be. And it's the same with games like that. Actually, that was another game where, um, almost like Stephen were talking earlier with the positional thing. Martin came in, Ibrox, um, and I remember going into the game thinking, a wonderful play because someone was back from suspension or injury. I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking to myself because with Martin in that first period. When I was younger, he would sometimes play me at right back. Um, and Martin was very like that. He would just kind of fit people in a position, go and play. You know, if you you can play in, in a, a number of positions, it, it's no problem. So I remember a lot of times that with Martin playing right back at times, and it was fine. We, we played there, even though it was a natural centre back. So I remember going into the game thinking, if I'm not right back today, I don't think I'll play. Um, I remember the team get read out, and the first couple of names came, and it wasn't my, it wasn't my own. So. Martin came in, does his usual kind of uh, Marshall, maybe even a gap that day, Varga, uh, Baldy, whatever. I remember thinking at that point, I'm on the bench. Um, and the next thing he said, kind of Kennedy, you know, and then it was like Thompson, Lennon, whatever it also might have been, um, got to the end. And I actually sat and I think, where am I playing? I genuinely didn't know where I was going to play. <laughs> uh, and I remember saying to Wally, Steve Wolf at the time, I'm like, Steve, where am I playing? Like, because... I'm sure Didi was at right back, if I remember rightly. Um, and he had the centre backs. He's like, You're putting left back. And I was like, I've not played left back before. <laughs> He's like, Don't worry about it, you can play anywhere. <laughs> and that's what they were like. They were very much like, Don't stress, you're a good Get player. Just yeah. just play, don't stress. Um, that. So that was my first ever game playing left back. Um, and it was at Ibrox. So even in that in itself, looking back, I'm thinking, Probably, but if you were a bit older, you probably overthink that, and you'd be thinking, "No, I played left back before. What if I'm on this side?" And and it was again one of those moments where you just go get changed, go out warm up, and before you know it, the game starts and you're away. Um, and again, having the experienced players around you always helps you in these moments. You know, I remember, I'll tell you, I think Alan Thompson was playing in front of us, and 
you know, the guys around the rest of the team. It was a very experienced team, so they kind of would help you through it, and you just had to play. And that was one of those things, as kids have said, you just get thrust in it, go and play, <laughs> deal with it. You know, Martin would give you a bit of guidance, you know, before the game and a half time, um, as did the other coaches, and then just go and perform. But it always gave you a kind of comfort knowing that you had guys like Henrik and Tomo and Neil Lennon, um, Bobo Baldi, all these guys you were surrounded by were really experienced guys, and they would kind of take a real load off any of the young ones. Um, you never felt at any point under real pressure because they would almost just stand up and, and buffer it a little bit. So um, it was a great experience. It was an unbelievable week in terms of you know how things can, can change for you. Um, and then obviously then after the game, we came into the dressing room, Martin appeared and was basically said... Uh, you've just been called up for the Scotland squad, so yeah. congratulations type of thing. So yeah. it was an amazing, amazing few days. Yeah. That's the Scotland's call up is a moment though where everything does change for yourself. Playing against Romania on your debut and you sustain an injury which keeps you out for the next three years. How how difficult a moment was that for you, particularly given the way that your career had been moving in the weeks and the months prior to that? Yeah, it was it was a tough one. Um, you know, I still remember it very clearly in terms of yeah, the game yeah. itself. So um, so even in the game itself, I ended up playing on the left side again. I think it was because Bertie Volts had been at the, at the game and seen me playing there, on, obviously, in the weekend against Rangers. And the way the game started, I ended up playing on the left side. <clears throat> and... Um, I remember the tackle, I remember just kind of coming in. I remember at the time thinking something's happened here. and You almost go into a wee bit of state of shock when you get such a bad injury. Um, again, just being, being me, I remember saying to the fizzle, just get me up, get me up type of thing. And they were kind of tentative. And I remember kind of pulling myself on my, uh, up on my feet a little bit. And I remember the first step I took, I just remember my whole leg buckling. like, uh, And I thought my, knee was, my, my leg was broke. So I remember seeing the physical, my shin snapped. I remember seeing my kind of leg just shift outside. Um, and I remember seeing my shin snapped, my shin snapped. And they were like, just sit down. And then the stretcher came. Obviously went to hospital. Um, at the time, then they were then talking a bit around, you know, we're a bit concerned about your knee ligaments and everything else. But, you know, we can't really do anything at the moment till tomorrow when you can get scanned and, and all these type of things. And again, when you're young, you think you're untouchable. You know, you kind of can on the crest of this wave everything's going in the right direction you know you feel untouchable but again it's it's a life lesson that you know mm. can come crashing down any any given moment and that was the case for me and it's it's something that I still use in a kind of in a coaching capacity at, at times you know in kind of my experience um, is you know take nothing for granted ever you know in terms of what you've got make the most of it you know on any given day every game you know, you just got to maximise your career because it can change in the flick of a switch. Um, and, and that's what happened, really. You know, I, I tried to come back and had moments, you know, through that period, but, you know, couldn't quite get back to where I, I knew I could have been. Um, and at the same time, you I was always kind of in a fight and in a struggle to try and keep myself going. Um, but through that period, was, that was the, the initial period was probably toughest because I went from a period of, you know, making my debut, you know, playing in, in Barcelona, playing at Ibrox, um, then all of a sudden everything's taken away from you and you're sitting literally in the hands of the doctors, you know, in terms of uh, Roddy McDonald, who was here at the time. We kind of visited the hospital the following day, got some scans, and basically the doctor uh, in Glasgow time, 
at the time his, his words were basically I've never seen anything like this um, it was just such a kind of horrific injury um, and basically everything in my knee pretty much other, other than my kind of medial ligament had just been obliterated just snapped to pieces so literally when I took a step on the pitch it then transpired there was nothing holding my knee together so my whole knee just dislocated at that point because it was, it was in pieces so um, and he advised us at the time look you're probably best going to America or somewhere who's used to dealing with more you know bigger injuries um, so we did that to be fair the club were terrific in that respect they wanted to you know support us and give us the best possible chance you know we we went out to America. We, uh, you know, spent. I think the first time I was there, I was around six weeks. I was spent out there, um, and the doctor out there, Richard Stedman, was was an unbelievable guy. You know, terrific doctor, um, and he was a guy who dealt with a lot of the the NFL injuries and, and everything else. And I remember him saying it as well at the time. It was, you know, you only really see this injury in in two cases. One being NFL when it's a total wipeout and somebody's standing leg, and a car crash. That's wow. You know that's that's how severe your injury is, and and at that time he never gave us you know uh, very clear you'll definitely play again, but he gave us a chance. He gave me a chance. He said we're going to kind of do this, and in three stages we're kind of we can't do it all at once. It's it's too much. So we'll kind of get your knee settled down over the next two or three weeks. We'll bring you into theatre. We'll do some of the work and we'll investigate what we're in there. But it's going to probably take two or three blocks to kind of re re piece everything together. Um, and remember that point so the, the most difficult part was up till that period but it was unknown you know in terms of that whole time all you can think about is I'm done I'm never going to play for Celtic again I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do I'm not going to play football again um, your whole family going, they're in, the, in and with you because as much as they're you know crying tears of joy and being proud of you sitting at Celtic Park when you make your debut on the flip side of that when it goes the other way they're also the ones who probably take it you know as bad if not worse than yourself um, so it was very much one where as soon as I was given that you know bit of hope that was all I needed you know it was, and it kind of set me back on track because I had a period probably about a month where it was head was scrambled really unclear on what I was going to do to a point where the, the surgeon says we'll do this this and this and that'll kind of take you along the path to recovery uh, and at that point just something clicked in me saying right I'm fine with that as long as I've got a bit of hope I'll kind of I'll, I'll tackle it kind of head on, and and that's what we did. It was a long time, you know. As you said, it was it was three years between playing games, um, several setbacks um, along the way, but you know we eventually got there. And my whole drive the whole time was that feeling of almost like my debut in a way, going back to walking out Celtic Park. That was that was my drive um, the whole time. So when I was in the gym, when I was running a treadmill, you know, at times I would go out uh, running in the woods during breaks we had and stuff as well. The whole time, all, all I pictured all the time was, was walking back out of Celtic Park. I think that's remarkable that you had that drive and that determination to come back and to come back as well and to play again for Celtic is, is such a remarkable achievement in itself. And I mean, you spoke about moments there during those three years. Were there dark times during that period? Were there moments where you thought about just not even trying again? Um. Not so much not trying again. There was just moments where I felt like you kind of lose control a little bit. You know, you, when things are in your control, you can kind of manipulate it and, and make it go in the direction you want. There's just some things you don't have control of. So with my knees in the state it's in, the only person that can really help it is the doctor. You know, I can do the rehab and I can do all the exercise he wants, but if he goes in on any given surgery and comes out and says, I can't fix this, 
there's literally nothing I can do. So um, each time that happened in terms of, you know, he's a very, very positive guy, you know, always seen the kind of, he was a kind of glass half full type of guy who would see the positive in it. Um, so every time he gave me hope, I knew I had something to cling on to, to, to drive me forward again. And during the period, again, the first period was probably the worst. And probably two moments. One was the first period, again, going from being a young guy, inexperienced, you know, thinking, you know, everything's on the rise to come crashing down, you know, and it's, it's a hell of a crash. Um, but that real uncertain period of not knowing if you're ever going to play again, um, that was that was the worst. And I could see it in my family. I could see it, you know, people around me were, were hurting as well, which wasn't easy. Um but that was fine. Once we got over that, we kind of attacked everything. And then there was another period where I'd come back to training. So we'd had some surgeries, went through a few blocks um, of rehabilitation. And I came back into training. And on the second day back in, I remember it was, it was actually, I remember the moment. It was two moments once kind of balls came up to the player. He's kind of went to go around the kind of corner and I've went to push him. And I just felt a, a shift in my knee. It was almost like just a thud, you know. And I thought, mm, that doesn't feel right. Um, but it was one of those you kind of you didn't want to show any sign of weakness as such even though it's silly to say that um, so I kind of carried on I remember that exercise was a possession we finished very quickly and went into um, into game straight after it and uh, I was actually playing against Chris Sutton at the time and I remember the same thing happened where he just kind of moved off to the side and as he moved off to the side I went to push and I literally just collapsed on the ground and it wasn't painful it was just obviously my part of my knee just giving way again and this was two days into my, my kind of return to training um, and like there was no pain in that so I literally stepped back up and I remember walking straight off the pitch to Roddy who was a doc at the time and just went my knees away and he's like what? I says my knees just went I says that's shifted on me twice and the second time I've just it's just folded under me and he's alright okay so again it was more trips to America uh, it was more rehab again I was given more hope that the second time going back or the this next part of it was probably the toughest because at that point the doctor was saying like what we've done so far isn't working it's not going to work because where all the damage is on the outside of your leg naturally you know male athletes are kind of slightly bow-legged a lot of stress is going on that side nothing's you know holding and healing the way it should um but again he had another solution we're going to kind of reconstruct your leg what do you mean reconstruct your leg we're basically going to straighten your whole leg we're going to break your shin we're going to realign your leg we're going to reconstruct your ligaments um, and this is the best way to do it and it seemed an awful lot and it is an awful lot um, but again it was just a case of right do it just do it and it gives me again there's a moment of hope there yeah. and that, that's all I needed so that was probably the toughest period because you'd went through a, a long period of surgeries and, and rehabs you lasted two days and all of a sudden it was gone and every every moment of setback, it just kind of the kind of the hope was diminishing a little bit. And I knew the more setbacks I'd get, the less likelihood it was I was going to come back. But anyway, we worked out. Uh, we got back, and you know the the kind of comeback game was was that game at Rugby Park, which we won the league. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a story in itself. I know out of that darkness comes that moment of light where you get put back into the starting eleven for the very first time, your first appearance in the years. And what an occasion to make that appearance. We win the league at Rugby Park with a last-minute free kick from Nakamura. For yourself, there must have been, as much as the team collective, there must have been so much personal emotion for you in that match. 
Um, yeah, there was, and it's one where, because you kind of waited, there was that kind of couple of months period where you, you were back fit and you, you were ready again, but again, you just had to wait your opportunity. Um, and it so happened that that was the game. And you know, it was a bit of a fairy tale in that respect because, again, my whole drive the whole time was coming back to play for Celtic and stepping out of Celtic Park. But, you know, albeit it wasn't Celtic Park, but it was in the day we, we managed to win the league. And, you know, that loving me for the rest of my days, I remember... Gordon after the, the game kind of almost tried to single me out but I felt embarrassed by it a little bit <laughs> because you know I was like listen, I'm not that type of guy who you know wants to have anything just shown on me it's all about the collective and everything else but you know even that the recognition from, you know from him in that day as well was, was, was special so it was a great day again it's a, a fond memory and as I said before it's you know for your family and your friends and everybody else to, to see it come to that again because it was, there was moments certainly a lot of my family, if not all, would yeah. have thought he's never going to play again. Yeah. But you know, I managed to get back out there. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you, I think from a from a fan's point of view, that was as much as again it was really amazing to, to win the league in the manner that we did. I think all fans have memories of you jumping in the crowds at Rugby Park mm. as Nakamura goes in to that away end and just feeling so happy for yourself personally that you managed to to come back at that other end and show that incredible strength and. You know, just detailing some of that there, it's incredible yeah. that you, you managed to come through all that. Um, John, I think I've taken up so much of your time. Um, I mean, it's an incredible Celtic journey that you've had that is still, of course, ongoing as a, a first-team yeah. coach. I know you ended up hanging up your boots as a, a player at, at 26 because of that injury, but since then, you've been a coach, you've been an academy uh, coach as well, you've now been in the first-team. I mean, it's just an incredible journey. I mean, Celtic, I know has held such a place in your heart since you're a youngster but to think of the journey that you've been on with this club it must just feel so special it is, it is special um, and it's one of those where, and I never took it for granted because you know people think you're, you're kind of here a long time but you know I, I literally make sure I maximise and anything I do it's a bit like as I said there I was, I was a player and you know I maximised every moment of trying to come back from injury and I was always happy like when I retired and stopped because I knew I I hadn't skipped anything. I hadn't taken any shortcuts. I'd give give my absolute all to to come back and and try and do it. It never worked out. But at that point, I'm you know I'm quite happy to part that and say there's nothing I can do. I've done everything within my control, and it's it's the same with the the job I do now and the way I have done in the past. It's you know I'm in a very great position here to to work with some fantastic people at an amazing place, amazing club. Um, get to work with fantastic players. You know, and I maximise every every moment of that, and that's that's the way I'll, I'll always be to the to the dear step back out of it. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us in the official Celtic FC podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.